0: This episode of the Doctors Running Podcast is sponsored by our friends at Running Warehouse. Make sure you head over to their YouTube page to catch the second episode of their new series, Test Run, where they put the team through a series of challenges to help showcase what kind of activities each shoe is best suited for. Their latest episode is all about versatility. Connor and the team brought out some fan-favorite trainers of the past year, including the Saucony Endorphin Speed, Asics Nova Blast 3, Hoka Clifton 9, and New Balance Rebel V3 to see where each shoe excelled. Check out the results of their tests by heading over to Running Warehouse's channel on YouTube today. Hey everyone, welcome to the Doctors of Running podcast where we, a group of doctors of physical therapy, talk about the art and the science of the things we are putting on our feet. Today, we have a fellow physio and amazing entrepreneur and... I, we got to go through all your titles, man. Je- Dr. Jeff Moreno is joining us, and we have talked before, but I thought it was really important to get him on the podcast to talk a little bit more about what he does. Because I don't, well, I know a lot of companies know. I think it's really helpful to know all the amazing thing that you're contributing. So, Jeff, thanks for being on. I really, really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, man, I'm I'm super excited. Um, yeah, you know, we we had a great conversation last time, and. And it's good to just dive in deep a little bit more. Yeah, it's great to dive in.
0: So, you are both a doctor, have a doctorate in physical therapy from University of Southern California. You're a board certified orthopedic clinical specialist back in 2006. Mm -hmm. You have a Mm -hmm. wide variety of interests and you've done a lot of really cool things. Let me actually throw it to you to say, can you introduce your background a little bit, help our listeners learn a little bit more about
1: you? Yeah. Well, I I think, you know, we we both have a a, a probably distinct passion for running. And so, yeah. you know, I spent most of my career in the high performance in, um, you know, working with, you know, um, people from 800 meters to the marathon, trying to do their best and make it to the next level, uh, which usually is the Olympic Games, right? And so, um, so with, you know, that, I think that kind of connects the dots from kind of our expertise as it relates to running. And, um, but I always tell people I'm, I'm an extremely confused physio. Um, And the reason that I'm confused is because I, I never quite fit in the, the the confines of, of the four walls of a basic physio practice. Right. And so I had a background in strength and conditioning, and obviously I went to school to become a physio and, and I wanted to do that since I was 16 years old. Um, um, And, but I also have this like, deep sports science research interest. And, and then I have also this coaching component as well, um, uh, stems out of just like a deep love for pedagogy and learning, um, and teaching how to learn. Um, but what isn't confused and what I'm never confused about, which sits right in the middle, which is the, the actual human themselves. And so, um, that is always the thing that ties all those things together and so being interested in all of those things and connecting dots from all those things, um, um, I guess led me on a really interesting journey. Um, and, and so that journey happened to be, um, starting or co-founding a company and then, and then, um, doing what we're doing now, which I guess we'll, we'll chat about.
0: Yeah. So extensive background as a runner, treating runners, being, Someone who doesn't let a career or a title define them, which is awesome because at the end of the day, we are human beings constantly striving and evolving over time. So that's not, this is awesome. But kind of going into what you mentioned at the end there is that it sounds like you were treating and then an ultra marathoner and, of course, injured runner as fifty over almost 50 percent of us become every year. Um, Adam sure. came to see you for treatment and you started to see some challenge. Both of you saw some challenges and yeah. ended up creating something really cool. Could you go into that yeah. a little bit?
1: Yeah. So these, these challenges were something that I was seeing for quite some time, and and there's this backstory to that that I and there's a specific individual um, that came into my clinic um, at the time that I was working um, that really changed my life. And it, he happened to be not a runner. He happened to be a very young kid. Um, and this kid was very dysfunctional, um, as it relates to his movement. Um, and I've been seeing this not only in the youth space, but also in the high performance space. And, um, and I said, like, it was so bad. I actually thought he had a neurological disorder. That's how bad it was. Um, and you know, I actually asked colleagues, Hey, tell me what's wrong with this, this kid. And they're like, Oh, he has some sort of, you know neurological issue and i'm like no there's actually nothing wrong with this this kid he just hadn't you know lived in an environment that was conducive to the normal development of his being right not only from a physical standpoint from but from a social standpoint and so i kind of went on this sabbatical and the sabbatical kind of led me to um actually meeting adam um through another colleague and, and, you know, treating Adam and et cetera. And as we were going through this process, I just started explaining to him this problem that I was seeing. And this problem was, is that, um, you know, um, as a physio, um, uh, we have access to these individuals for a very, very short amount of time, right. Um, and you know, they come to our office or we come to the field or they're traveling or whatever it may be, however, your space works. Um, but when they're not with you, you actually don't know what's going on, right? You don't know what their story is, so to speak. Um, and so talking to Adam, I was like, man, he had a data science background. He was a behavioral economist. Um, working at Google and then working at another place at the time. And I'm like, man, I, I just want to deeply understand the the indir- individual story outside of the confines of my walls. And, and how can we do this with a data um, lens, right? Like at the time, you know, GPS watches were becoming more and more popular are becoming more and more ubiquitous um, across the the running space as well as other wearable devices. Um, This thing that we have in our pocket, you know, um, is I think Apple, there's like 900 million people, you know, using these and then, you know, worldwide there's billions, right? And so how do we take this data exhaust that everybody's producing, capture it in a way, and utilize that information to allow individuals or for us to listen and allow individuals to tell their story. And, and that's really kind of how it began. Um, and he said, well, I, I think I can help. Like, I think I can. Let's play around. Like, I, let me take, you know, a, C, a CSV file from my Garmin watch and pull that off and, like, let me start playing with what things I can get from it, et cetera. And, and that led eventually to the creation of a company called Power Lab. Um, and so, um, Power Lab's initial mission, um, and this was a consumer application that rec- we created, a consumer app, was to really take the, kind of the current sports science literature as it relates to injury risk and in, in running related injuries, which wasn't great, but we were going to try to do this anyway. And make connect people's data in a way where we can kind of give them some awareness around potential potential susceptibility to running related injuries as it relates to risk of injury. Um and so we did that and we spent a ton of money and <laughs> and it was super hard and we had another person helping and um and then another person came on and you know went from one thing to another and um all the while, um, a, a shoe company came sniffing around and they said, um, "We want nothing to do with your app. <laughs> Actually, we don't like it. like like we don't like and I, I don't know if they said they we don't like it. It was just like that's not what we're interested in, but what we are interested in, is that you've you guys have managed to connect to multiple devices that everybody's using on a daily basis and you're able to connect in a way that's first party and and we we would love to figure out how to connect those individuals in a first party way to our R&D or innovation team in order for them to better understand humans in the wild so we can better serve them through eventually product personalization, personalization of product and experiences and services that matter, that they, that matter to them. And we're like, no, we don't want to do that. (laughs) That's not who we are. Like we're, we're, we're running nerds that just want to like figure this problem out. Right. Um, But we got really interesting signals. um, And those signals were that like, if people weren't, hurt they didn't care <laughs> about their risk right they're like that's we don't live in a society that is really proactive in one's health right we're we're very much a reactive society based on our healthcare, care etc and and so eventually we came to the conclusion that man maybe we maybe we should listen to this company and maybe we should change um from a consumer application to direct to business model where we can actually serve these individuals and still um, be true to our core DNA, which will never change. Um, um, And so that's how Dash LX was born. Yeah, that's
0: awesome. So what I'm hearing is, by the way, so our subjective for those listening is as Jeff mentioned, there is tons of data at our fingertips, right? So whether you have a Garmin, Coros, watch, or you just have your phone, these our phones are like, you don't really realize now, these things are supercomputers. So they, <laughs> they are. tell, te- yeah. I mean, not to get big brother on us, but they have tons of information. So the, our big suggestion question is, how do you use the data given to you by the various devices you use, a watch, right, phone, that kind of stuff, or do you even use it? Because that's what I'm hearing, and I think I think the title of this episode should be. We'll see if if uh, BJ Bach and Nathan agree with me, but I like the t- detecting signals in the wild. Because like you totally. hit on this, he hit on this perfectly. That one of the biggest challenges as a clinician is you are really taking a snapshot of the whole person, and that's why I'm sure you were trained the same. The way I was trained, the way I trained my students is that your subjective is one of the most important things. But the problem is people aren't always very good historians and you may not get a full Mm. picture. And then you'll do some objective testing. You'll look Mm. at how they run. You'll look at some mobility, stuff like that. But you're still Mm. only getting a fraction of what they do. And we know that definitely there's good evidence that injuries, a lot of the fatigue issues we see are accumulated problems and not Mm. usually like this just random acute thing. Those happen, but it's typically more of these overuse type stuff, which is challenging because not just in this country, but worldwide, all the research—it's the same way. It's all reactive, proactive yes. injury predictive studies are extremely rare because a they're a huge, they're extremely difficult to do, and yeah. people want to know more about what happened afterwards rather than go how do we prevent this? Like I remember when I was—you probably know—we've talked about uh, Chris, Doctor Chris Powers before. I remember I said the word yeah. prevention. He's like, "Don't say that's a bad word. It's like a dirty <laughs> word in research." And I'm like, and later well, now yeah. I'm like, "Oh, that's why you said that because it's so hard to yeah. do."
1: but that makes super hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what you said, there's, there's so many rich things in that. And one is the signals. And we'll get to that in a second, because that's a very important part of our technology. Um, but, but I also want to bring, come back to also what you said, because there's being a young clinician or being even now, um, part of what we're trying to somewhat decode is that time that you go into your doc's office or your physio's office and you sit there and you have this really intimate kind of vulnerable conversation at times, right? That's very back and forth. And and to be honest with you, that's the most important part of my exam. Um, um, And, and I, I, I call it like, I, you know, I come in the room and and I, it's very broad, as you know. and it's like, tell me a story. And they're like, right. "What do you mean? I'm like, I want to know everything about your life. Just we have plenty of time. I'm not going anywhere. Right. i I've been blessed with the opportunity to spend as much time with my clients. I know that's not always the case, but um so I say, tell me a story. and and we go through this discovery process, right? and and there's a ton of questioning that goes on and there's a ton of historical information that I want to know that's related to running, but even that they may think is not related to running that matters. Right. And, and I think of this category that we're creating, which we call lived experiences is really the same. And, and the lived experience of a human is literally their physical experiences. And it's our job as a company to translate in that and digitize that and provide that to individuals or brands that they love that, that they can benefit from. Right. And, and, and with permission, the data that comes out of that um, are like words in my subjective. Um, And those words come together to create sentences and those sentences create paragraphs and those paragraphs create chapters. Um, and if you get enough of those lived experience data words together over time, the, you start to have a very clear picture of this human living in their physical world outside the confines of the innovation team of a brand or my clinic, um, or anywhere for that matter. And, and that's really exciting to me because as a, as a young clinician, I, I just didn't get it. I was like, you can only come to me when you're hurt. I only get to see you this amount of time. And then just when things are getting good, I can't see you anymore. (laughs) I'm like, this makes no sense to me. Um, And you can't talk to me unless you are hurt or have a prescription because you're hurt. Um, And so I actually see the, 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 the change of this is actually not going to come from healthcare, right? It's going to come from things like outside of healthcare that have bigger influence. Um, and, uh, our DNA is very pure and, and it probably comes from this, the physios that you and I are and, and every physio loves movement. And we w- we want to promote movement and we want to empower people, people's ability to thrive and, Ours just happens to be we're going to do that in ways where we can maximize data or we can use the data to maximize their well-being. Right. Um, and so if we can do that through a brand that has influence in a positive way and and really start to shift the narrative of what this like funky thing called prevention is or like taking care of a human in a unique way at a very personal level Um it's totally worth the stress that I have every day. <laughs> um, that makes sense. And so, yeah. yeah.
0: So it's, it's interesting because I think we, and we've we talked about this before, but I want to reiterate this just for the listeners, is that you mentioned something that that is a core and something that I'm starting to realize. And obviously we all keep fighting it, but a lot of the innovation and like the ability to, to make changes don't always come from these large industries like healthcare, right? They're kind of like these big machines that kind of have so Mm -hmm. many variables going on. They influence Mm -hmm. that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I remember when I was in PT school over a decade ago, you know, I remember Shirley Sarman. And for those who don't know, she is like a godmother, like a, like a, a legend within the field has done quite a bit. Yeah. She's phenomenal. Uh, For any of the PTs out there while she's still alive, please go to one of her conferences and please get made fun of. Uh, personally by her. It is an experience. For sure. I <laughs> uh, really, really I encourage that. Um, she didn't like, I think like, is she still in her 90s and she's still teaching?
1: She's, yeah. I yeah mean, she's, she's amazing. She's, she's amazing.
0: amazing. But I remember yeah. her talking about like, I think the future of where health, not just physical therapy, but healthcare is being able to be the movement experts, but also go, how do we start doing prevention, right? We know mm-hmm. some of these things, we need to get more evidence on them, but we know there's certain patterns or lack thereof that mm-hmm. might influence stuff. So why wouldn't people come visit us? You know, like just the same way you get a physical is come mm-hmm. check in, make sure everything's good so that you don't need to spend eight to 12 yeah. weeks having to rehab something. But it sounds like totally. you realized I'm not going to get this done in healthcare. I'm going to need to be more yeah. efficient and go to go to somewhere where a large company has influence and is going to be able to yes. use this data to influence a product that everyone, especially the ones that we're passionate about, are yeah. using,
1: right? Yeah, and, and this is starting to happen in, in people like Jen and, and, and Brooks and people like Christian yeah. Hyde and Adidas and Andrea at Saucony and all these individuals that we know really well. You know, they're starting – To understand like the, the bigger picture and, and it's individuals like that, that are actually going to kind of make this change. And, and the change really is, is pretty simple to me. Um, and they'll say the same too, is that, um, if, if they want to sell shoes, it behooves them to have a human that actually is gonna to wanna to use the shoes because they're healthy enough to use the shoes, right? If a human isn't active or able to run, I mean, why do they need to hop on the internet or the site and buy the next best shoe? They're not gonna do that, right? Um, and matter of fact, we know the data says that the dropout rates or the return to run rates for someone who has had a running running related injury is really bad, right? Um, um, So there's a a paradigm shift occurring um, and it's at a very large scale. um, And I'm super excited about that. Um, um, And so what's the big change? Well, the big change comes from how do we take this data that everybody's producing, this lived experience data, Um, From their Garmin watch, from their Polar, from their Apple, from their Coros or their Sunto or whatever they have and provide a pipeline or a connection point to a brand that they love and get value from that, right? Um, And so instead of, you know, them taking data from the website clicks or impression, like No, you, like you ask them nicely for it. You've invited them, you, the brand has invited them into their innovation lab. Um, You're going to get something for it potentially, um, or you're going to be a part of a community like, like, for example, the Brooks Run Club. Um, And then with that, we're going to utilize your data for X, Y, and Z. Um, And and it's with a purpose Um, that not only, starts to create this really interesting community effect or flywheel. Um, but it also builds trust and you and I know as physios, like the number one thing that can happen on our, the most important thing that can happen on our first visit is to create this level of trust. And once you have that, you're like things are pretty golden, (laughs) but if you don't establish that, it's really, really challenging. Right. Um, and so, we're on that path to facilitating that. Um, and it's a, it's a pretty amazing path. Um,
0: and you got to be really upfront cause I know there's good evidence that people form trust within the first 10 seconds of meeting
1: someone. So you have to make yeah. a
0: really good first impression and maintain that. Yeah. So especially when you take somebody's data and you're like, going, Hey, would you please share this? We've got something to offer you.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's just being authentic, right? Like, yeah, We ask the brands to be extremely authentic and upfront. We ask them to say why they're using this information, and then actually go about doing what they say, right? Um, And so whether that's a research project that they're doing with a specific amount of people on a specific shoe, or like a university utilizing the information to actually do research on a running related injuries or a feasibility study on um, using our data to facilitate that. Um, It's it's just all about authenticity, right? Um, And people can sniff that out really quickly nowadays, right? Um, Because they're always being hit with something. And usually, um, if you're like me and I get that in an email form that has no form of personalization to it, I just delete it. Right? Right. Um, it's just not worth my time. Right. And so it, it, th- that's the change that's occurring. Um, and once that change has occurred and, and they're facilitating that, then, then we can really start to do really cool things and brands can really start to do really cool things. So from a data perspective, well, what kind of data is this? That's usually the question, right? Um, If I break it down into buckets, um, there's data that comes from you as the human, right? So there's your user demographics. And so as the physio, Matt, if, if I like gave you a profile of a human, you have a, 55 year old masters runner who has a history of X issue, right? Let's say a calf problem, a history of calf issues. um, Or, you know, in their thirties, they might've had Achilles tendinopathy, um, never knee pain, um, usually in the lower leg, you know, they, they run three to four days a week. They're getting slower. Um, but occasionally they'll run fast. Um, you know, they're this weight, they're this height, they run on this specific terrain. Um, They run at this specific time in the morning, every morning uh, in this, usually these distances, but then you get a signal that you're like, oh, you you ran significantly more over the last two days. Um, um, You know, so that user demographic, you have environmental data, you know, terrain profiling, elevation changes. Um, You have um, other forms of data like speed, um, spatial temporal characteristics, like, you know, your basic cadence, stride length. And then we have other proprietary algorithms that we've created um, that looks at um, or, or connects people's stride characteristics to kind of, understand their specific running style. And that a lot of that was based out of Ben Van Oren's work, um, looking at running styles. Um, and so we take all that stuff and then it creates a unique pic- picture, right? And, and so then the next question we would ask or we're, 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 getting brands to ask is like, okay, if I have changes in elevation, I have had, I have changes in velocity, which can be a p- proxy, for internal load of the bone or at the calf itself or the Achilles tendon based on some of the work that we know, right? Uh, Mechanical fatigue work from Bryn Edwards. We can start to like think, ah, you know, this is is kind of interesting, right? And if I knew this stuff and I knew their past injury history um, and I'm having a continuous conversation with them through a triggered – um, survey um, when necessary, then, you know, I can start to think about, well, what type of shoe made may this person benefit more from than another, right? If I, if they, all these shoes were on a spectrum and let's say the spectrum was like a triangle and there's a, tri- at the top of the triangle, there's a more minimal shoe. And at one, the other edge of the triangle, there's a more um, elastic shoe, and that the other one, there's a more cushioned shoe. Like then we can start to hypothesize, hmm, based on these signals that I'm getting from this human, what would I put this person in potentially knowing that the shoe is like to us, it's just a load mani- manipulation tool. Right. Um, and so then we can go from there and even dig deeper. And this is where it gets super uncomfortable for brands right now, <laughs> to be honest, but not me. I'm like, let's do this. I'm totally into this. Like, okay. If we potentially hot uh, can hypothesize about a better shoe, we're not saying perfect, but better shoe potentially. Then can, can't we also potentially hot hypothesize about maybe some of the physical things from a capacity standpoint that this individual might want to work on. If we only give them three things, (laughs) let's just give them three simple things. Um, But how cool would it, if they got a text saying, Hey, I noticed this. Um, We, we, we find that when these things match up, that it's really beneficial to do this thing in the gym you know, um, or this type of a movement thing. Um, um, that's uncomfortable for people because they're used to waiting until that guy has a calf string or, or Achilles tendopathy from running too fast because he hasn't run fast. He's 55 years old and he hasn't run fast in a year, but he did a race randomly and all of a sudden he spin spun those wheels and now his Achilles hurts because its capacity of his lower leg is really low and the elasticity within the tendon is less than it used to be kind of we we kind of know those things right Matt so yeah. so this is literally
0: like, what my dissertation is on so yeah you're you're preaching <laughs> to the choir on I'm like did he choose this just cuz I'm doing Achilles calf stuff and master runners. but yeah it's true it's totally true and you got all like the data is basically that an insanely accurate Part of your yeah. subjective objective exam, and that's—I don't think that's uncomfortable at all. I think it's great, but I understand why they may not be uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. That so said, like, yeah, yeah. So like, you can't use words like prescribing, which is mm-hmm. probably good, but right. you can—you know—you can recommend things that I think are fair. But how cool would it be for a human outside of the confines of us, or outside of the confines of a brand, but a connect to the brand, to get a text from a brand saying, mm-hmm. "Man." you're doing great. I loved your run today. You know, you ran 6.5 miles at this pace. You had this much of elevation change. You're rocking it. Hey, I think based on what you're currently doing, I know you bought this shoe, but you, you might really enjoy this one. It, um, when, when that other shoe's done, check this one out. Um, and by the way, try these, try these things. Um, and here's why, um, that would be so amazing, right?
0: <laughs> it would
1: be because A, you got you got a couple components. You A, building a
0: relationship and you know, yeah. life is hard, right? Yeah, and, and not to talk down about this, everybody, you know, social media, we're on our phones so much. There's a lot of negativity out there. There's very good evidence yeah. that being on social media actually has impact on your psychological and your mental health. And we so we know that. So to get some positivity going, hey, you're doing great. We're looking out for you. We're not just, we're not trying to sell your product. We're just saying, hey, when you're interested- this might yeah. be a good option because we know that varying your shoe choice is one of the few things that reduces injury. But then mm-hmm. going, hey, we're not going to say it like this, but we know almost 50 percent of runners get injured every single year, right? Sure. We don't want that, right? Because like you said, then people don't run. The dropout rate's really high, which this is where – I mean I won't go off on this tangent, but – for master's runners, this is why I was interested in my population for my study because as we get older and things get more challenging, the dropout rate tends to increase. So yeah. that we need to start figuring out how do we either help people get back faster or how do we try to prevent injuries in the first place or reduce them? And yeah. if you can do that through, hey, you know, and all clinicians have had that experience going, you know what? If you just did this like one thing or got it's a notification, education. educate, yes. yeah. A large part of our interventions is education. So what if we could yeah. give that to people beforehand and teach yes. them these things so that they can figure yeah. out, oh, you know what? There was a little too much elevation today. I'm going to need to back this off because I know I got a great benefit. It's a great run. But I know yeah. based on my history, I need to modify this. Then I'll get back to it like that. The education and the prevention
1: is yes. key. Yeah. And it doesn't and have to
0: be prescribed. It, it could be This yeah. might be a good thing for your your movement health right or your totally. proficiency
1: yeah totally and just having we call it from a self-determination theory yeah. right we call that yeah. relatedness like right people you know besides wanting competence and autonomy they also want someone on their shoulder looking after them right and right and i think um using um lived experience data and in capturing specific signals that th- and then can in turn trigger actions, whether it's from an external motivation standpoint, um, um, putting them into something that that m- may potentially feel better for them um, based on the, on capturing a bunch of information over time and learning more about um, those things, um, I think is the next wave of how people are going to be taken care of. And it's really. Um, One brand told me last week, they're really like going, and this was a massive, massive shoe company, and I almost fell out of my chair. They're like, yeah, we're really going away from just this idea of like, you know, shoving shoes down people. And we just like really want to be known as the caretaker brand. We just want to take care of these individuals because we know if we do that, like all the other stuff. From selling shoes to, you know, people being invested in in brand of, it'll just kind of take care of itself. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're so you're so right. Please this do that. Awesome. It's right finally like moving.
0: It's, yeah. Finally moving from like short term sell as much stuff as possible to going yeah. long term. If somebody's gonna come to us and choose us as a brand, it's how do we like show our appreciation and make sure we take care yeah. of you equally? Yeah. Right. That's yeah. awesome.
1: Then, Yeah. And then, you know, I think I love all the gadgets, right? Like you're, you're in the lab right now. You like, you, you know, we have force plates and we have three dimensional, you know, Viacom systems that can, that we can all nerd out on. Um, But also sometimes the simplest things are like usually the most effective things. Um, And so how do we take, how do we take a very complex process and and capture low friction data that can like create simplicity around this, and understanding all the craziness is important because then you can use that to facilitate proxies that in turn kind of tell you similar things, um, and so that's what people in the labs are doing right now, um, with this data is that they're taking. Um, the connection of the environment, the human and the task of, of the running itself and combining these data sets together to, to really answer what, what real runners want, right? Real runners. And you know, this, and this is why you have an amazing podcast and do shoe reviews because what do runners want? They want to know, like there's a 5 billion shoes out there and I have no clue what shoe to buy. Just tell me what, shoe to get and i'll buy three of them right like you know how are they supposed to know it's like crazy right and so people are trying to kind of understand that and make that more accessible the other thing and you know this because you just had the podcast is they're trying to understand durability of the midsole so like people can figure out well when do i replace my shoes and in doing so you learn more well like maybe the durability of the midsole is a lot greater than we thought it was but we still have the outsole and the upper to deal with and that's probably gonna wear down quicker than the midsole itself um and and then it depends on the type of runner right one of the guys you talk to has a crazy stride <laughs> so, um, and it's really long, and like he wears down shoes different than my myself, um, and so, so it's different, right? Um, and the rest of and, his team
0: calls him the Destroyer. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah.
1: Pretty much, pretty much. He runs through shoes like crazy. That's um, why he
0: started a shoe website, hoping he could. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, just kidding. <laughs> For
1: those listening, this so, is me, by the way. That ruins shoes, but. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, I mean, there's really cool things. And then the basic things like, you know, it, like it does come back to injury risk too. Um, um, when we started this and we started connecting to, um, lived experience data to brands, they, they, like, they really didn't want to touch that. Like it was just a big no, no for the brand, right? There was just a lot of. Difficulty legally having to deal with verbiage and language, and you know you're talking about injuries, and that's not our domain, right? And how do we deal with this? But you know, three weeks ago, I get a I get an email from someone. They're like, "Hey, if we were to do this, what would what would this look like?" And I'm I'm just like, "Yes, finally, yes, yes, finally." Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, okay, let's do this really carefully. And we're going to do this really slowly and we're going to be super methodical about it. And we're going to be really simple because it, I don't think it needs to be complex. Right. Got um, um, so, it's
0: a weird, weird question, weird question for you. So you've had this vision and I think a lot of, us, especially in the like clinical have been like, you know, if we could just like figure out how to use you, you pioneer, right? Like how do we use this data? What do you think and you may have already mentioned it but I'm just curious what do you think the turning point was for a lot of these companies to finally go actually I think this you know yeah, let, yeah let's let's take this what do you think the turning point was
1: Yeah because I th- I think there's um there's a big disconnect between what they're capturing in the lab and then what they're what the actually is occurring in the wild right and we know this to be true from what people say is often very different than what people do, right? Yes. And so they're capturing a lot of information and a lot of that's done qualitatively through subjective surveys. But they get the shoe back and it'd be like hardly worn. But, you know, they said they ran 500 miles on it and they're like, "Like, how is that going to help me building a better shoe for a greater population, right? Um, and so I think it, it always starts it's easier to start in the innovation in R and D de- departments within these brands, because they're not always scared of the, of lots of big data. Right. They like are used to using numbers and, and like having a little bit of chaos, as you know, in your PhD work, like and dealing with like the uncertainty of what you're trying to study and like how things just don't always go right. They're okay with like that stuff. Right. Um, so that was the turning point is like, Hey, we need to figure out actually what's going on out there. And like, we need to be able to communicate better with the, the people that we're trying to bring into our brand and take care of. And the only way to do that is actually to capture their lived experience data in a way that, um, is authentic and, um, um, you know, personal. So that, that. it's been, it's takes, it's taken a while and it's still like an educational process for these brands because it's so different than the, the status quo. Right. And so, um, but I'm, I'm very thankful. Um, I'm honestly like, you know, just giddy every time I get to hang out with these individuals and, and all these different brands to get like a little peek underneath the hood (laughs) of what's going on and what's potentially happening in the future. Right. And, um, and it's, it's just super exciting one, just because I'm a running nerd and like what better thing for a running nerd to just hang out with people in these brands. Right. And talk shop. Um, yeah, uh, it is so, super.
0: It's also really great that, like, just like yourself, all these people are actually really awesome human beings. Having totally. had them on the podcast, been force-shifted, beat a couple of them in person. Like, they're really cool. So it's it's not surprising to me at all that yourself and a lot of these wonderful people are like coming up with this stuff. Like, how do we just basically at the end of the day, it's how do we make the world a better place, right? We get people more yeah. active. We keep them yeah. active. But it's the challenges, like you know, that engagement, figuring out what to do. I'm this is yeah. a slightly off topic. I'm laughing when you're mentioning like the chaos um, and learning to ride that as someone who I would, l- I should track my uh, heart rate metrics while I'm testing people as I'm panicking and trying to keep a straight face as something's crashing and I'm trying to manage that at the same for time. Sure. Like, nobody told me this is going to be this stressful. I thought, like, oh, you just collect this data and not like, oh, Qualysys, our motion capture has crashed for the eighth time today and the, the uh, AMTI force plates aren't bad. connecting <laughs> because they're having a temper tant. It's like, So, yeah, it's learning to ride that chaos, which I think having that data, right, the chaos of either a brand or a clinician talking to someone going, "How? like, you've got so much going on in in your life. How do we start organizing this? And I think that's kind of what I see is like you're organizing this into bite-sized chunks. You can go, oh, we can do ice. We see this. We see this. Here's what we as a team, team including the person that's providing the data, Mm -hmm. can go, Hey, this is what we might be able to do with this, which is really cool.
1: Totally. Yeah. I, I, some, yeah, that can get dangerous because, um, <laughs> I usually am the run, one to like go down those rabbit holes because yeah. you, there's so much that's possible, right? Mm-hmm. But then I have to step back and say, okay, let's, let's just keep this simple. That's like, let's walk, run, you know, let's crawl, walk, and run, um, in that, in that order. And, you know, um, so, but yeah, it is. It is pretty, pretty exciting. We're learning as a brand though that um, we actually need to make it the process of this simple because you, you throw sample level data on the, the table of someone um, or workout level um, or a thing called we call it snapshots, which is like a snapshot of someone's yeah. kind of three month history and it's overwhelming. Right. And so, um, we've learned to like step back and say, Hey, um, what are you guys trying to do? Um, let, let us figure out kind of the best way for you guys. And then we'll like serve it on a platter and, and we'll take that to the very end. Cause they like, you know, how it's like today for you is crazy. Right. If I said, Hey, I'm going to dump off like you know, a million points of data on your, in, uh, in your computer and you're going to, you're going to pull it from our API and like, that's just more work for you. Um, so it's like, it's these problems that I didn't even consider. I was like, Oh yeah, we just do this and like, boom. And here's a shoe. It's <laughs> like, or like, here's you do this and like, okay, you push a button and then, Oh, you tell them, Hey, I need you to do some calf capacity. Your soleus is super weak or I'm hypothesizing that you're so because yeah. everybody's is right. So, um, you know, like it just, it's a lot harder than that I'm learning. Uh, but that's why I have amazing people on my team that are yeah. way smarter than me. So, so, so they can do that. I just get to talk to people like you, which is more fun.
0: It is fun, but I, I, it's interesting what you mentioned because I what I heard was there's so many possibilities of things to do and you got to the point where you're like, you let the brands tell you what they need. Also, probably the individuals what they need, right? And that, that is the hallmark of a master clinician is when you're younger, you generally tell people what they need. As you get mm-hmm. older and you have more experience, you go, I got all this stuff. What are your goals? You tell me, you guide me. Where do you yeah, want to totally. go? And I'm seeing that, yeah. that parallel here.
1: Yeah. And, and this is something that we also learned very painfully is yes. And this was with the power lab thing. Um, we were considering that um, or under the impression that people wanted to be healthy proactively um, or, but they actually didn't w- or want it. Right. Like we're, I, we are actually under the pressure they needed it, which they did but they didn't want it. (laughs) Like, that's not what they wanted. They, they just, they didn't, they don't know that just isn't part of their vocabulary, you know, right. Based on how society works for us. So, um, so stepping back and transitioning to, you know, working directly with the brand, it's like, okay, you know, I got to understand that, you know, my needs um, are not always the same as their wants or their needs. My idea of their needs isn't always the same as, as their wants. Right. So I think that was a very important thing. And it's something that I I'm still learning um, that I have to just step back and say, okay, I want to take you here. <laughs> Cause I think it's important yeah. for humanity. Um, yeah. But, but that's not maybe where you're at and that's okay, but we'll get there at some point. So let's just, Let's just deal with what you want right now, <laughs> right? And that comes so. from
0: just asking the right questions. So it's both you're having to ask the right questions. The brands are also having to ask the right questions of the consumer, going, "What do you want?" Right? That's where we're testing. That's where all these surveys, outreach, yes. focus groups come in, going, "What do they want?" So that's that's interesting. So a couple of quick questions on that. So if we if we start at the individual level. What mm-hmm. kind of thing? What kind of metrics have people wanted? And is there anything that they might want that they don't even know is actually readily available to them, data-wise?
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know it's a that's broad a, question. Yeah, that's a really. Are you? You're talking on the consumer side.
0: Yeah. Let's start yeah. with the individual first before we go up. To oh, the, uh, like the for the individual, yeah. it's really simple yeah.
1: to me. Yeah, yeah. Like for the individual, and I hear this all the time, and I know you hear it um, if you're working with runners, right? They're like. And for us as a clinician, usually this is on the top of the list. Why did I get hurt? Like, what's wrong with me? Tell me the diagnosis, which doesn't really matter to me, to be honest with you. Um, and then how, do, how, how can I make sure that this doesn't happen again? Unfortunately, that's at the end. <laughs> um, it's not the first thing. Um, and then close second to that is like, again, tell me that the best shoe, how many, how many times you have a runner come in just like, Hey, they bring 15 pairs of their, their shoes all in a bag. They throw them on the floor and they're like, one, can you look at them? And I'm like, okay, cool. And then two, tell me which one, what should I get? Right? Like what, what do I need? Right. And that's, that's kind of a loaded question because there's a lot into that, but we're starting to see patterns. Um, we're starting to see patterns with, you know, shoes that have a greater longitudinal bending stiffness. That's a problem. We're starting to see patterns with shoes that have higher stack heights and that are very, with very compliant foams. Right. And we're starting to see, you know, and we've seen patterns with, you know, these low profile shoes for quite some time. Right. And, and so um, you're starting, like we're starting to kind of see these things uh, and they're not causative, but there there's correlation to specific types of injuries, and there's also correlations to specific types of patterns of movement that, that these individuals um, come to the table with that are not always um, easily modifiable um, based on their motor patterns and their, their habits, right? And so, um, but that to me is super exciting, and I think that. Is kind of the future of, of where this is as an experience or a service that the shoe company can provide is like, Hey, we noticed, and I'm, I'm going to tell you one, um, we notice that you have this specific pattern when you run. And that pattern is, is that you spend a ton of time on the ground. And when you do accelerate, you get longer instead of, of, of turning over more. And with that specific pattern and at these specific speeds that you run at, we see more individuals with patellofemoral pain. Have you had knee pain? You're like, yes, I'm a, I have knee pain. It starts here and sometimes it's on the outside of my knee and sometimes it's in the front of my knee um, and it's a real pain. Um, and I'm like, yeah, it is a real pain. Um, and, and so – we're capturing these signals uniquely. There's also some signals in the lower leg that can, that are, are starting to really, like we've seen some correlations to individuals with bone stress injuries or Achilles stenopathy. Um, and a lot of this work just like was hypotheses that I had, and then you connect them to what it says in the literature. And then you're like, okay, can I capture this with this data? Can I capture those signals? And then with that signal, is it possible to trigger something? And it is, it's totally is. Um, There needs to be a lot of work around that. But one of the biggest aha moments I had as a clinician um, was like, you know, everybody told me for the longest time that like the most common running related injury is knee pain, you know, like anterior knee pain, um, you know, in a specific population. Um, And I was like, I don't know. I haven't seen a person with patellofemoral femoral pain in five years. And I was like, Hmm. And I see that's my, that's the only, I only see runners. Like I don't see anything else, but runners. And I'm like, why is that? And it was like, slapped me in the face. I'm like, "Well, like all my runners are like super fast. Right. And so when they hit the ground, they there's very little knee flexion that occurs at at the tibia femoral joint, right? The loading as a result of that at the patellofemoral femoral joint is actually quite a bit lower than someone who's flexing excessively during load during um, um, you know loading phase or mid stance, right? And I was like, oh my gosh! But you know what I do see all the time bone stress injuries achilles tendinopathy like everything you can imagine at the foot right and that was like my biggest aha moment and i was like whoa can i see this pattern can i take data and see that pattern capture that signal and then do something with it proactively and i was like i think i can like i think i can and now i just need to get these other people who have influence that other than me is the end of one, um, to like do something, but that's super exciting to me, man. And like, cause it isn't rocket science, right? Like right. we see it every day. <laughs> yeah. It's trying it's to just translate, translating it.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. translating it to not only the world, but like companies and other people. Cause you know, we're very yeah. lucky to have the jobs we do. We, we it's, we're super awesome. The thing is we always will have patients. People are always going to get injured. If we can always, if we can cut that down and keep people healthier, that's part of the prevention part, which I think is really important within our profession. Even if we reduce the injuries to like 5%, 10%, people are still going to need us. But if we can totally. help people stay healthier longer, it's the long-term yeah. effect of keeping them active. Because the worst thing people can do is you get over an injury and then you just stop moving. And then you start getting yeah. all your other Worse. comorbidities your high blood pressure, your yeah. high, like diabetes. So it's like that. And once you go down that road, it's really hard to dig out. So prevention yeah. wise, this makes total sense to me.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, and then you have other components like marketing and, right. you know, which, you know, is, is like, it starts to spread, but just more authentically and naturally, I think in a, in a, like a, a better way, <laughs> a better way. I like to think of it as a better way. Yeah. So um, so you,
0: you talked yeah. about this a little bit, but so footwear companies are not only using this to get an understanding of who who the, the population they're serving, right? They're creating product for, but there's also some talk of how, going, how can we modify this to make footwear that better matches people? Correct? Is there anything mm-hmm. else that they're they're utilizing this for in terms of benefiting the consumer?
1: Yeah. So again, uh, you know that we call that finder tech. Um, and companies are really interested in that, right? Is like in a, in a scalable way. We're not talking putting someone in a shoe, a foot scan, or like pressure insoles, like that's just not accessible to the normal individual, right? Um, but but one major company was just like we're just tired of getting like our customer service just like getting hammered right now because. People are calling in and they love the brand and you would know this brand people. It's like an up and coming, really cool brand, but they're like, the reason that we got contacts because their customer service is so fed up with being asked, like, I just, I want to buy a shoe. I just don't know what shoe to buy. Right. And so, um, I can tell you one company and this blew me out of the water. Like I literally almost fell out of my seat. They're like, man, If we can do this, this and this, like if we can like be able to potentially hypothesize about um, a susceptibility to something or a signal that is like, man, they haven't haven't run in a month. Like, can we, you know, could we send them a survey and say, hey, are you injured right now? Um, They actually said, if we can do that man, then maybe we can refer them to a physical therapist in the area. And I almost like fell out of my chair. I was like, Whoa, like a major, major billion dollar brand is telling me that they want to send their customers to physical therapy because that is probably good for the brand. If you know, I was like, the world is changing for the better. And I'm, I'm super excited to be a part of this process. (laughs) I've just never heard anything like that before. I was like,
0: which makes sense. You got to take care. You got to, if you're going to create a community, you got to take care of your members. Right. And so if they can't run, they're injured, right. That they're not going to be happy. Right. So, I mean, and from a business standpoint, obviously they're not going to continue running. They're not going to purchase product. So it makes sense Mm -hmm. to go, all right, how do we keep you healthy and go, yeah, sometimes people do need help, right? People need to be have self efficacy, but sometimes they just need that, like you said, the hand on the shoulder to go, "Hey, mm. you know what? I know this is rough. You you are going to get through this, and if you need a little bit of help, here's mm. someone that might be helpful for you." Like that's yeah, awesome, totally. right? Yeah, Talk about support. Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah. So they would they would call that a service, right? And so you have product personalization as one piece of what brands you're looking to do, and then you have another piece would be a service. So that would be a service. Um, and then you have the third piece, which would be like creating experiences. Right. And so like from a community standpoint, how do I, how do I get people that are of like mind and and like, um, I guess, physical, um, ability and put them together in in, in an opportunity where like, they're probably going to just enjoy each other's company. Right. Um, I often say that, um, you know, like all sports are made up of movement, but not all movement needs to be sport. Right. And, and so if I translate that to the running world is like all runners run, but not all runners need to be Boston marathoners. Right. And so um, I really have a, even though I work with kind of some, the higher end, you know, runner, like I really have a, a heart for just people who you know, use running to feel better and, and reduce stress. And um, because in in theory, that's like the majority of runners, right? Like, if you look at the Boston Marathoners, like, it's just a small sliver of the the actual population that, that um, utilizes their shoes, even though, you know, we're interested in the the bouncy, foamy, resilient things that are stiff and do cool things, um, for people, um, you know, most people shouldn't probably buy those shoes.
0: (laughs) I'm happy to hear that. I know we get super excited about those, but we know there's always appropriate. So and it's it reminds me when I was talking to Jen from Brooks, we had her on here and she was awesome. And it was like, yes, you know, we get a lot of focus on the elite runners and there's nothing wrong with that. But we have to realize that the majority of people aren't elite and that's okay. And we want to make yeah. sure that they know that we are designing product for them. And we want to make sure everybody feels heard. Everybody yeah. has a product. And that's really important, not just from a clinical standpoint to go, you know, and one of the, you mentioned this earlier, right? During. The examination your first visit gaining trust but also making sure that person feels heard especially in a society as in the medical community like that's people get not heard all the time they get talked yeah. over or stuff like that and i'm sure people sometimes feel that like that but in the running community They're like oh i'm not an x fast marathoner or 5k or why are they going to pay attention to me and it's like well no we want you to be heard and so i think this allows yeah. that connection
1: yeah and you know, I I love Jen to death, like, and she is absolutely the biggest proponent to you know serving that population, and that's why I think she's at Brooks and she's doing what she does, and and that's why Brooks, you know, absolutely knows who they are as a brand, and 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 because of that, that's why they're really successful, right? Um, and so um, I think they'll continue to serve that population as well as others, um, very well as a result of people like Jen and others on, on that team. Yeah.
0: But that's awesome. So, so you've got how the companies are using this. I'm, and I mentioned earlier that a lot of individuals might not know what's available to them. So if you would, you know, we're going to go back to the rule of three, right? If you could tell people, Hey, there's two or three things, two or three metrics that you just have easily available to you that might be worth paying attention to you what were the, what would those two to three metrics be? And I know it's, it's, we're, we're asking a directed question rather than getting the information of going, you know, you might, you might already know, but like, what do you think would be most helpful for people that don't know to pay attention to?
1: Yeah. I'm going to really generalize this because, and and I'm going to take it away from just completely like a specific variable because I think the importance of lived experience data is translating this into something that's accessible and actionable for a real human. Right. Um, and so if I said, Hey, um, you know, we know that there's some decent evidence of, as it relates to cadence and, you know, manipulation of, of gait um, around that. And, and specifically with people who have pain, maybe less so with people who don't. Right. And, um, and specifically around the knee or maybe even into the calf or some plantar fascial issues. Right. And so, and that's cool, but that requires a, a little bit of me and you being around them and helping them through that process potentially. Right. Um, but I would say, Hey, I, I got a thing and I, 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 call it the three C's and I, and these three C's I think are probably what I define as being pretty important. And we're gonna simplify this for you. The three C's consist of consistency, right? Correct loading, whatever that means, and we'll we'll describe it. And then what I call control. Um, And so consistency, and we've done this study with one of these brands is like looking at the correlation of consistency to running injury. And it's like extremely clear, like, People coming into a specific thing and or coming out of it, if, if they aren't consistent, we define consistency as running at least three days a week um, in a seven day period over a, th- a certain time span. Um, they just happen to get injured more. And it's like pretty intuitive. Um, so let's, hey, let's just, if you're going to run, I don't care about volume. Let's just focus on kind of getting consistent and that looks like this and then let's build upon this um and so that's important um and you know you can use data to do that and a brand this brand will use that data to do this um and then there's correct loading and what does that mean you know and that means like well if i am going to run and i am going to be consistent i probably need to do it in this fashion and that fashion is like well i'm going to focus on frequently moving and that movement might be in the form of walking first or that movement might be in the form of running and we're going to capture those signals and and help you through that process and then the next thing is like well i might add a little bit more volume onto that and that will just naturally happen and at the very end i might tickle that with some speed every now and then and and this is how we'll do that Um, and that's how we're going to correctly load Um, And we might have some fancy stuff that some fancy researchers did, um, you know, that that is cool. Um, But like, that's pretty basic. Right. And then the last thing is control. What does control look like? Well, if I go out for a run, um, what do and I'm going to ask you this, Matt, this is your test. (laughs) What do most runners do? from from an intensity standpoint or like a pacing standpoint when they go out for a run like what's the most common error that they have um at every level and i can think of one of my professional runners right now is like really bad at this um and i can think of one that's changed and like she's you know will be in budapest this this in in a month or so um what's the most common thing I will
0: say this and hopefully I'm not wrong because I'm going to call my wife out who is also a professional athlete at the moment and (laughs) hated training with me because I do the exact opposite because I was very lucky to have some very fast people teach me this is that people start out way too hard. They, whether it's a race, whether it's their run, they start out way too hard rather than warming up into it. And my wife hated that,
1: that I would start
0: out nine, 10 minute pace and then finish faster. But
1: Yeah yeah it's yeah. just like like their pace is like probably too high, especially on yeah. their easy days right like yep. they're they're you know let's say someone and I have this woman is really amazing um but she's like was running her easy paces like maybe maybe coming under seven minute pace like after and a really 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 excruciating hard workout right. And like what she said was like the one thing that completely changed my game. It was like not running any of my easy days under eight minute pace, which felt like I was walking. Like she literally said that felt like I was walking, but I, but I am now crushing it. <laughs> and that's at least cranny to, to be honest with you. That's um, awesome. so, so like, and you know she's pretty good. Um, yeah, it's and if pretty she solid. Can,
0: you know, yeah, that's a little understatement,
1: can, but yeah, yeah. If she can run her easy runs at eight minute pace, like why shouldn't other people run really easy, right? And so um, th- those those three things, I would tell every human, and, and I would tell them over and over again until they got it. And then you you can lay obviously we 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 light, we can layer in data to this and signals right. and triggers and right. and. and If I'm going to tell a brand, hey, where should you go as it relates to prevention of injuries? I'm going to start talking to them about the three C's and maybe I have already done that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And it sounds like when talking to people using this data is this is already available. So if you have a GPS watch or a phone, like you can track your mileage and you can start looking at patterns going, hey, you know what, talking about. Um, consistency, right? How many days a week are you running? Or the other thing is, if you're running frequently, do you have huge spikes in yeah. that consistency of volume? Those spikes are where those injuries typically tend to happen or after, because it t- your body's, the more consistent you are with the more like equivalent load, the yeah. more your body's kind of ready for it. It's those big spikes. Got to be really careful. Little spikes. Okay. That's how, you know, if you're doing a workout or that's how you push yourself to get better, but it's got to be appropriate. and You got to heal from it. The yeah. the second was it it was consistency correct, lo- con-
1: correct, correct
0: load knowing going hey am I suddenly jumping up or am I doing things appropriately slowly building which our bodies don't do this really well. They do this really well. So again, looking at your mileage going week by week, what's happening? And then the final thing is control, going you could the watches, the phones, they all look at pace, so going, how do I know what I'm doing? And how do I yeah. keep that under control? So instead of running 630 pace on an easy day, you go, that's not necessary, especially from a load management standpoint. That's going, what's the purpose of today? if it's to recover, let's make sure I'm comfortable with this. I'm controlling this. I'm not letting my th- things get ahead of me.
1: Yeah. And as a physio, this is like right up our alley, right? I mean, right. When we look at a treatment stem like we're you know, the one, the biggest thing is, is we're building awareness around something, right? right. And then with awareness, where we build in context, maybe with a movement, or maybe without a movement. And then this, then we're working to transfer, you know, you know, some transfer that idea into something that's more, more makes sense, which is the act of running. And then we're looking to stabilize this over time, right? And that, that's like a, very basic treatment model that we go through. Um, And so that awareness piece is really big. And for for my runners, if we're talking about pace, I'm talking about is is pace, and this is like beyond this, but I think it's cool, is pace, does your pace match your effort? And if it doesn't, like there's something wrong, right? And that can be like, you're tired, um, you're under-recovered, um, you traveled um, you fought with your boyfriend or girlfriend or other right and and so um, you know those signals and that and building attention around specific what I call vital signs um, or points of awareness is is really is really important but that's for another completely different podcast sorry
0: you're no you don't have to pause you're speaking my language right now and it's gonna be dangerous because it's gonna be a four-hour podcast if we're not careful. yeah
1: we better we better we better end this but at some point i want to talk i want to talk fancy shoes fancy yeah we will right. will
0: definitely have to have you back. We'll definitely have you on. Jeff, this was phenomenal. I do really quickly before we we finish up here, want to give people a location to find you. So Dash LX has its own website. There's also an Instagram, Facebook for Dash LX. You can be found on Instagram at Jeff, Moran, at Jeff Moreno, correct? Is there any other ways to be able to reach out or to find you with some of this cool yeah. stuff that you do? Yeah, I mean doing? they can –
1: they can always if they if they have interest or um they want to chat chat about anything, they can always email me at Jeff at dash dot com. And um yeah, I mean I'm I love to have a chat, so yeah. Don't don't be shy. Yeah.
0: Also, if you, you got to check out his LinkedIn, I love your profile picture. It just looks so professional. And I'm like, this is this is a LinkedIn photo. It's great. So you can also find him on LinkedIn. But Jeff, thank you spo- so yeah, much you know, for coming on. Yeah, yeah.
1: what yeah. I really love to do is yeah. just surf, you know. So so if you do go to my LinkedIn, you'll just see a guy surfing um, and run. Oh, so every that's day. what that is. So. OK, got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, Jeff, thank you so much. It was Awesome to pick your brain and awesome to hear not only what you're doing, but what brands are doing. And it's nice to also know that that we people do care, right? in a situation oh, for where people, sure. you know, where we're having more trouble worldwide with people feeling isolated, there are situations where you can feel a part of something and you can also know that people do care and it's it's not just because they're trying to sell you a product it's because they want you to be healthy because we're getting to this point where there is positive in the world. like longevity is, is key and we can do this. Any last words, yeah. by the way, before we uh, land this?
1: No, I think, you know, at some point people will have more of an opportunity to be a part of these things and, and just look out, um, with your favorite brand and that'll be coming to you soon, hopefully. Awesome. Um, so yeah, thank you for the opportunity, Matt and yes. and good luck on your research. And, and, um, Hey, let's do a shout out to Rich Willie. Cause I, Rich really is, I love Rich, Rich, if you're listening, Dude, you got to help Matt out. He needs your help, man.
0: All right. So we talked about this before, but I'm going to call Rich out. I think, Rich, you talked with – I'm going to leave this on. We'll see if PJ keeps this on here. Rich, no, I know you I'll were talking – for
1: sure. Okay.
0: I, I know they were – he and Nathan were talking about coming out and doing a podcast. Rich, I don't know if you know this, but I emailed you early on in my PhD asking if you'd be on my PhD committee, which still open offer, by the way, because I'm still looking like just to make sure I have a final committee member but you never responded. So I know you're busy. Come on, Rich. Rich, Rich, I'm I'm emailing you. It's not like, it's not like the systematic review I just published, like referenced (laughs) you like 40 times or anything like that. It's not like you inspired my entire project, but
1: you know, Uh, Hey, you're out
0: there. I'm curious. We'd love to have you on too, but
1: I will connect you to rich and rich is like my favorite person. He's one of the most beautiful humans. So, um, he'll get a hold of you. I'm sure. Yeah. All right, Matt.
0: And for those, for those listening, by the way, you got it. Rich Willie is another phenomenal place, but what, We'll wrap this up. Thank you everybody so much for listening. We have, as always, we got new content coming out every single week, usually released on Wednesday. You can find us on all the different platforms. So it's like you can find Jeff on all the different platforms be it LinkedIn, which Bach has done a crazy good job of Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, all different places, YouTube that you can consume stuff. Thanks as always for listening. And always, as always, Jeff, thank you for coming on and having a beautiful conversation as always.
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you.